everybody, and welcome to the Sin Essential Podcast. My name is John Gilpatrick. This is episode 22, There Will Be Blood, and joining me is Aaron Pinkston. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing good. I, I wanted to, I was going to make, uh, I was trying to think of my best milkshake joke, but I figured they probably have all been done and it wouldn't have been funny anyway. So, <laughs> Listen, uh, the real secret is that they weren't funny originally. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's one take for sure. I know. I was uh, kind of racking my brain for the right uh, opening pun here as well, and it seems like we've fallen on. There is no good one, so let's make fun of our thinking of it. Which, uh, yeah, you know. Thanks for deconstructing go. the joke, John. <laughs> you know, jokes that's are my... best when they're explained. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part of every joke. Sarah Gore is also here. Uh, Sarah, what's going on with you? Um, really identifying with Daniel Plainview today. He hates humanity, and so do I. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be fun. Been looking forward. He to would really be a he would really be a hero in our times. I feel he'd be president right now. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, honestly, sure. he might be president, and yeah, I'd take it. Like we'll all still die, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> At least you just get a club with the bowling pin and put us out of our misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could just be face face down in the lanes. Oh man, could uh, you imagine if he lived today? He fucking loved it, man. You're loving these tax cuts. Yeah, well, the thing about Daniel Plainview, which we'll get into, is that he has as much contempt for people as like almost any real or fictional person i've ever encountered and so i don't know that he'd be one for like uh you could tell when we're recording this but like giant or not so giant maybe uh stadiums full of uh adoring fans like he would want absolutely nothing to do with those people right he he wouldn't be duplicitous about it right which would be refreshing in a way (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. exactly he just hates you all and and that's (laughs) great (laughs) Uh, so there will be blood it is uh i guess we're approaching the 10th anniversary which is insane um and uh it's a film that at least for me is a personal favorite on a lot of different levels it i remember exactly where i saw it and i sat in the very front row of the theater which was uh sort of a surreal thing um but it was a big deal when it came out and i think it still is a big deal um, Aaron, you are writing our opening take. Do you want to discuss your relationship to There Will Be Blood and maybe tee us off for some uh, discussion? Sure. So, uh, as you said, uh, the 10th anniversary of this film uh, theatric- theatrically is approaching, uh, though it actually did premiere at the Toronto International Film Fest in 2007, which uh, is taking place right now, which is... Uh, uh, the reason that I had slated this film in to talk about now, uh, I felt it would have been a fun time. I don't think people are talking about it quite yet in terms of a 10th anniversary. So we're kind of jumping the... Uh, they will. The of, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, there will be discussion. Um, <laughs> so this is a movie I haven't watched since it came out Wow. Uh, in theaters. Yeah, I, I had never revisited it Um was never really a conscious thing I, I i don't rewatch films a lot unless i am preparing to talk or write about them um or like at the end of the year i kind of you know when i'm doing my top 10 list for the year i'll rewatch things that i kind of want fresh in my mind um 
but yes, so I, I watched this film um, in a very different kind of place in my life. I just graduated from college and was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, for a job that I was doing. And it was basically my first uh, Christmas away from home. Uh, so I went to the movies <laughs> and I didn't really know anything about there will be blood going in. Like, I don't remember like seeing any trailers or being like particularly hyped for it. So I just kind of went and saw it and obviously uh, was confused and blown away at the same time, <laughs> kind of wondering what the hell I just saw. Um, so revisiting it now, watching it again, I, I kind of realized that, and I think this happens to me a lot. There, there, were, there wasn't a lot of the specific narrative kind of thread stuff that I particularly remembered, but I felt like there was a lot that kind of came bubbling up subconsciously <laughs> uh, <laughs> while watching it again. Um, I mean, obviously, like the final scene is particularly. Um, I guess it's kind of controversial, right? I mean, it's, it? it's, it's, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, uh, I know a lot of people, people that talk really about hate, it a lot. hate the end. Like that people, I know people that think the last scene is laughable and terrible. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I guess like iconic. Yeah. Maybe that, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of words you can use for it. Um, but in any case, so that, is like, one of those words. so that uh that is like a that's a scene that i i remembered and have seen you know through discourse over the years um and you know other uh other scenes there and and whatever and and, uh obviously the performance of daniel day lewis is gigantic um in a lot of different ways so that's kind of hard to shake um but yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting to to watch this film again after not seeing it in about ten years, and um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it is a great film. I, I it's just so like striking and like it's both gigantic in its scope, but I think all of the best stuff is little small character scenes conversations confrontations that aren't all necessarily as bombastic as for example that final scene mm-hmm. um but just like daniel day lewis daniel plainview sitting at a table across from his adult son you know having a not a good conversation like it's there's some emotional stakes there but like those are the kinds of scenes that i think really where the film is really working um, in its best measure. So uh, I think rewatching it and kind of letting it kind of sit in me a little bit more, you know, if I, if I don't watch this film again in 10 years, I think there will be more that uh, I will consciously remember about the film. Uh, there will be conscious thought. And uh, I want to see how many of those I can slip through. <laughs> but um but yeah, so Sarah, I think, uh, as our as our resident hater, I'm interesting to see what she hmm. thinks of this film. Um, because, there will be controversy. Uh, maybe <laughs> well, there will be dissent. And there will be a broken heart. 
How about that? that? Or will there? Or will there? That would be the ultimate contrarian move, if you like. <laughs> well, because right now, uh, I'll see what John says. But right now, I think I've seen this more movie more times than any of you. I've seen it like four times. I've okay. seen it like ten times. Um, <laughs> there will be multiple watchings. Yes, <laughs> and it's too many. Um, but yeah, so I've seen it like four times. I saw it in the theaters when it came out. Uh, came out. 2007, which I still look back on as one of the best years for movies, definitely yes. one of the best Oscar years we've ever had Yes, uh, in recent memory. It was awesome. Uh, but I, and we'll, we'll circle back around to this. There was like two camps that sort of formed. It was like t- team No Country for Old Men or Team There Will Be Blood. And No Country for Old Men speaks to more of how I, what I'm interested in, like on a personal level, like this kind of stories that I want to see. And I'll save explaining that for later, but uh, my husband uh, loves this movie to a degree that I find (laughs) alarming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My favorite example is that um, when uh, that, that meme was that that was going around last year, it was like, Oh, describe yourself in three characters. He picked Daniel Plainview as one of them. And the scene where he says he doesn't like most people. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Alex. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anyone to succeed. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Okay. I want to marry this person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we just had our 10-year anniversary, so. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, um, I guess that sort of sums it up in a nutshell. Like I've seen it multiple times. I definitely liked to know country more when I saw it. And I think I'm at least, it was either like the second or third rewatch one of them. I was just like, I don't, I just don't know if I really like this movie. I was like, I felt convinced that it was like a hundred years long. It felt just felt like it never ending. And I was just like, I just, I think it's beautiful, but I just don't know if I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it, this week, I felt like it was like 80 minutes long. It like flew by. Yeah, it did I was fly by for totally me wrapped up in it. And I was like, can this movie seriously? Like, we can't really be, we can't really be at 1927 because that's like the end of the movie. It's not the end of the movie. Yet. <laughs> that, the transition into 1927, it's just like so striking, like so amazingly beautiful. Like, you don't, it, it's, it's sort of like unsaid. Um, it doesn't really like um, uh, so. For, for people who may not have seen it in a while, you see Daniel Plainview's son as a boy, uh, H.W. and uh, the 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 little sister of Eli Sunday, Mary. Uh, they're like playing. Daughter and, of these hills. Yes, and and uh, they there's a shot like set behind them where they jump off of a I'm I'm not exactly sure what it is some sort of structure and they sort of just yeah yeah they they disappear out of the bottom of the frame and then it's just sort of this very like Malick-esque, like dreamy kind of um, just beautiful image and then it cuts to uh, two people getting married and. You can tell, you know, it's them because they're. She's using sign language, and of course, HW has lost his hearing, so you you understand who they are. But it's I don't know. There's just something about that transition. It's it's a little audacious to jump that much time 
first of all. Um, but I don't know. The way it does it is, is really amazing. Um, something else you said, Sarah, made me wonder, uh, what would it have been like to go to this movie on a first date? Yeah, um, no, seriously. No Country for Old Men was one of our first dates. Yeah. Oh, I, I uh, and that, <laughs> that's when I learned I mean, uh, Alex doesn't care for holding hands in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that movie is like, that movie is upsetting the first time you see it because you are just constantly on edge. Like you want to throw up the entire time. You're like, he's going to do something horrible and I am not ready for it. And Alex was like leaning as far away from me as humanly possible. And we discussed it later and he's like, oh yeah, I just like to be really like enveloped in the movie that I'm watching. I don't like anything distracts me. Like I don't like talking. I don't like touching. Like, so like when we watch movies at home, you're on opposite ends of the country. <laughs> It's uh, dead silent. My uh, first That's movie, love. my first movie date also took place in the fall of 2007, and it was another uh, unlikely date movie, uh, which was uh, David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises. Oh yeah, <laughs> I never, uh, I never saw that one. Oh, that one I don't think it's me. good. No, no I don't, actually don't care for that movie. I don't either, think the but... reviews. Yeah, I don't think the reviews. Whereas that was the one after. History of Violence, right? Yeah. It came yeah. directly after History of Violence. Yeah. yeah. So it, it may be uh, wrongfully compared to that movie. But yeah, uh, I think my first... Well, okay. <laughs> so I think... <laughs> here, here's a good one. Um, uh, high School Girlfriend, our last date... <laughs> <laughs> was uh, to see Daredevil. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> And I think oh, we broke cinematic up. Masterpiece. I think we broke up like a couple weeks later, <laughs> like a week later. <laughs> but, uh, Netflix, it makes me feel any better. The uh, the first actual movie we saw together was uh, Across the Universe. Uh, after which Alex apologized profusely for making me come to it and handed me my money back because we were like going <laughs> Dutch on it. He was like, "I can't let you have paid for that. I'm just really sorry." That's a ball. And I was like, "Thank you." That's great. <laughs> Um, no, I haven't, anyway, uh, I gotta, inter- I gotta I haven't introduced my there. wife to uh, There Will Be Blood, even though uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, for me, this is like when they were doing that, uh, the New York Times did that best of the movies of the century so far, like randomly earlier this year, and they had There Will Be Blood yeah. on top of the list, and that's where it lands for me, too. It's, um, like I said, I've watched it at least ten times. I watched it twice this week, and mm. uh, I just... I love it. Paul Thomas Anderson's like my favorite director, probably, if not of all mm-hmm. time, certainly like the working director. And yeah. um, this is my favorite movie of his. And I just, I have so much fun with it. And we quoted it all the time. There, and we like quote little things. So, like, you know, everybody, I drink your milkshake is, it has transcended this movie, you know, for sure. And right. maybe some other things, but we would say like stupid, like little things. So when they pop up, those are like some of my favorite moments. Like, um, when he's trying to understand like why he doesn't own the bandy tract of land and the mm-hmm. guy is like, has the map out and he's explaining it to him. He's like, well, you didn't go visit him. And Daniel just says, don't be thick in front of me, Al. <laughs> <laughs> and we would say that all the time. And we would say like, Eli, you sniveling ass all the time. Yeah. And uh, just like <laughs> stuff like that. It's, we... <laughs> it's a great insult movie. Yeah, for sure. it really is. It's so great in that way. Um, <laughs> Basket and basket. That's actually too mean, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's there's lots of just fun little stuff there, and um, I don't know actually who 
who wrote this it's based off of an Umpton Sinclair novel which is yes. kind of insane in and of itself um but uh yeah it's really perversely funny i think and obviously it's beautiful and interesting and you can watch it and find different things to um take in about it thematically yeah which i appreciate it's, it's uh, uh one thing that i, I haven't I haven't written my opening take yet, but um, it will be on the site when you hear this. Uh, one of the things that I was definitely thinking about is that I think one of the one of the biggest like eye rolling cliches uh, that when people talk about movies, they talk about is something being Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I, I, it really strikes me that I think there will be blood is one of the films that definitely deserves that sort of moniker um i think no country does too yes absolutely um but i yeah i think because there's it's it's so thematically rich there are like so many different things you can pinpoint through the film but sort of as i said before like i think that my favorite thing about seeing it again was taking in like the different the the sort of contrast between the bigness of the backdrop of all of this thematic ground and the smallness of what is actually happening on the screen at times right um and like there's like a lot of stillness and quietness uh in the film at various points of course the the opening uh i think i looked at the the time it's about 14 15 minutes uh is it's not silent but there there's no dialogue um uh paul thomas anderson just kind of gets you into the the world of the film by watching people work on an oil derrick um which is i think important um background for understanding some of the oh i think it's great context yeah just like really showing you how hard and dangerous this really is in a way that feels really intimate and not so sprawling that like, if you don't have a big company, you are just sort of out in a hole in the middle of nowhere by yourself yeah, with a broken or with leg. like, or with like five other people, you know, you don't have like a team. Right. Yeah. And um, it feels really authentic too. Mm-hmm. Um, like later on when in like the scene where he strikes oil on the land, um, like the moments before that and you just kind of like look and look at how this this oil derrick looks like how it's built like um obviously they they built this for the film um but you can like if you're like looking at the structure like it's not like the kind of perfect structure you would imagine would exist now right um in terms of just like the the craftsmanship of it like you can like look at the the wood and it's like you'll see like pieces that are crooked like it isn't it isn't like exactly um it isn't like it's not exactly the right word but like it might not be up to code it's (laughs) yeah it's it's like uh it's very um like you can just tell like people built this basically Mm -hmm. um it's it's very rustic in that way uh which is which is a nice, I mean, it's, it just, all of that just really goes into to building the film. I mean, the costumes, uh, Daniel Plainview looks like he's, his hats are amazing. Yeah, I love his hats. hats are great. How he looks in his hats. Uh, he's still threatening as all hell, but I love the hats. Um, should we talk about Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. 
<laughs> uh, so do you do, do we all agree like of course this is an actor who has been very successful um in many people's eyes he is the he's the best actor working today um he also doesn't work very often and if we are to believe him his next film uh also with paul thomas anderson which is supposedly coming out this year uh even though we haven't seen like anything from it uh is supposedly his last movie so um i mean do we all agree that there will be blood is basically the the height of his legacy? Is this do you, do we all think this is his best performance? I do. Or like most notable, the one we'll be thinking about, you know, when he's getting his, uh, you know, you know, he may never die. I, I'm not sure, but yeah. you know, when he dies a long time from now, is there is the picture of him as Daniel Plainview? Will that be the picture that accompanies his uh, obit? Or should be? Uh, yeah, I think. And you'd all know how much I love Gangs of New York because we, yes, uh, and we talked about that. We covered and, that already on the site. Um, but yeah. for me, it's there will be blood. Um, you know, Lincoln. It's sort is of another one right? that's up there. What's that? Sort of a no-brainer, right? Am I am I overemphasizing it? I don't know. Maybe Sarah thinks something different. I've only seen four of his movies. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, just, I, mean, I was like, many. I don't actually know if I'm qualified to answer that question. I, was like, <laughs> I can't think of that many. The only movies of his I've ever seen are A Room with a View, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, The Crucible, mm-hmm. There Will Be Blood, and Lincoln, which I hated. Yeah, I don't like Lincoln either. Although he's I very good in it. He's really like, good but in that, it. But that was just like, it's a bad script. And, and how like movie different, I, I mean, pretty much a polar opposite in disposition of a character. Yeah. <laughs> out of oh, those four, uh... <laughs> Yeah, there will be one that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess his, uh, the other one that he is sort of most known for is My Left Foot, yeah. uh, which is a movie I haven't seen as well, but I understand the reputation of it, and I believe he won the Oscar for that uh, as well. So that that's definitely one I should catch up with. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's like uh, he's like so crazy in this movie, right? <laughs> I, uh, I just can't imagine this working as well without having somebody so willing to like throw themselves into it so completely and to spend the time, like the insane amount of time that he has a reputation for doing, um, inventing like whatever the backstory of this person is, because we, there are so many things we just don't know that I am like very fascinated by. And I fully, at this point I shouldn't say intent. Uh, I've definitely already written my article and you've all read it and it was great. Um, at the time this goes live anyway. <laughs> but I want to talk about um, his family and just like for somebody where family is so, so, so important to him in this weird way. Mm-hmm. Like he, he doesn't even know where his sister is. Like he doesn't know what state she lives in. He doesn't seem to know where his parents are or if they're alive. Like we have no idea why he left home and when his, you know, the, the man posing as his brother asks him, like, oh, well, why did you leave? I forget where it was that he, he left from, somewhere in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, he just says, I don't like to explain myself. And, like, that's all you get on it. So something happened or didn't, and he left. <laughs> but, 
you know, like, so, so like to be able to like create a performance, like where all of this, this stuff is totally unknown, but seems to very much like inform who this person is. Like it clearly defines him in some way. It's just that it, we don't know how. And I think that's really fascinating. So that's why I think uh, I would put his performance right along up there at the top. Yeah, for sure. Um, Last of Mohicans is another really good one. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. The Michael Mann um, version of that. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm excited about what he's going to do in the next um, PTA movie whenever we end up seeing that. But yeah, um, I'm, but- I'm going to try to stay completely uh, ignorant of anything <laughs> before I step into the theater <laughs> to watch that one. Um, I'm very excited about it. Um, oh yeah, like if I see a trailer and I, when I'm out of the theater or something, I will be delighted, but I just I won't be able to seek it out. Like I can't bring myself to because I just like being surprised. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a, you're not someone who closes their eyes and cups their ears when you don't want to trailers I in have. the theater. You're, oh, I have. So you're a sociopath. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. Once upon a time, I was normal. I wa- I, I could watch movies. I could chat during them. I could I could get up and get a snack. Those days are dead. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have inherited all of his quirks. But um, yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, it just means that we we have a more pure viewing experience than all sure. of you. So. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There is um, a lot wrong with it, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we mentioned, I mean, we talked a little bit about the final scene. Are there mm-hmm. others that you guys are like especially fond of? For me, one of my favorite scenes is the uh, baptism um, that yes. he uh, goes oh, uh, undergoes in order to um, <laughs> get this last piece of land to build the pipeline, and he does it so begrudgingly. Um, and certainly, like Eli, you know, deliberately or not, uh, ends up bringing some genuine emotion out of him. But just the entire thing is insane. And yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about like contempt? Like he goes oh, from yeah. it's like some of the things he's just muttering uh, under his breath this entire time is remarkable. And then like then they start like slapping each other around, and he's just like laughing and laughing and laughing. He's just like holy shit. And then finally it's over, and he's like, okay, "There's my pipeline," and walks out. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's not that scene. It's in a lot of the scenes, like there isn't anything particularly that the camera is doing that is interesting or um i mean obviously the the narrative uh setup uh has has those emotional stakes and we want to know what happens but it's like all on daniel day lewis and his what he does in that scene is like it's remarkable like because as a viewer like this is about i think about halfway through the film so we know what kind of guy Daniel Plainview is. We know the kinds of things that motivate him. We know his particular stance on on religion and on Eli Sunday, his his great rival, uh, frenemies. And so in that scene, like it's all about sort of scrutinizing, trying to like understand what is going on in his head. And you just can't do it. I mean, it's like you said, like he, he changes his, uh, his emotion, how he's saying things like what, what we see on his face, like a half dozen times, like 
within mm-hmm. in like a minute and a half. So like it's it's like there's a mysteriousness to what what he's doing, but you you can't not think that he's he's manipulating the situation to his benefit. Like he's, you know, he's, he's acting in a sort of sense through this, but you also kind of think like, I don't know, maybe like he kind of seems like maybe he's being genuine here. Like he kind of tricks you into thinking that, that maybe he is seeing some sort of light proverbial light uh, while he's, he's going through this process. It's, it's a remarkable piece of performance. Uh, and I, yeah, it's definitely a striking scene. Yeah, so uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about with that scene. Uh, something that Alice pointed out when we were watching it, um, stealing all of his smart ideas. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really interesting and worth <clears throat> noting is that after you know he goes through this process and like this congregation sort of swarms around him, um, you can really see how powerful that experience would be, like yeah. how attractive that would be, like the way that people just come together and like you, it's now you have this connection with all these other people. So in this like, you know, early uh, 20th century world where all these people are like, it's hard to like form communities and the community bonds are really important. Like this is a way that all of a sudden you've just, you're just part of this. Like you have this like extended family uh, the thing with the problem with Daniel, though, is that he very much doesn't want that. Like, I it almost feels like he had real moments. Like, he, I don't think he's faking it when you see the look on his face when he screams, um, "I abandoned my child." Right? Because that's and the his one relationship that really, Yeah, that's the one relationship that really does matter to him, and he knows that this is true, but he's really good at like lying to himself and saying that he's sort of doing things for the best for, for everyone involved and really he's just being like a selfish asshole. Um, and so having to say that you can see does affect him. That's not faked, but it's almost like you could almost argue that the thing that really like snaps him out of it is all of these people, were, which are just in his words, just people like, ugh, people <laughs> yeah. like clomming onto him. Just like, ugh, like, Oh God. Yeah. No, never mind. I don't, Get out, get away from me. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for bringing me back to my senses. You can uh, imagine other... him like living in like a later time where there's like better sort of, uh, you know, uh, like him being like a germaphobe like a hundred years later oh, yeah. because there's like a way for him to like actually clean himself up and feel like he's gotten the stench of these people. It's sort of like uh, in the Matrix, Mr. Smith. When he gives that great speech to Neo, he's just like, I hate people, I hate the stench of them, the smell of them, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's a little bit like Daniel Plainview. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, his hands are always caked in dirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the other thing is that, like, I, I feel like the baptism is mirrored at the end, where Daniel is baptizing Eli in blood. Yeah. Like he forces him to go through the same thing. It's a complete like flip flop, except um, there's just all of this like interesting, I guess, I don't know. I, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words because it feels really obvious, but also like something I want to point out, which is just, uh, it's so obvious that what Daniel thinks makes him just so different from Eli is that, yeah, he's putting him through the same thing and he's making him say this thing because 
you know, he knows he'll say it because he wants to get what he wants to get, but he's going to get something out of it. But what he was really getting out of it is not just forcing him to say, you know, God is a lie. Like it's all bullshit, Mm -hmm. but that he's going to make him do that and then be like, yeah, you can't have the thing you want because it's already gone. (laughs) I'm smarter than you. I made you do the same thing that you did to me, but I'm not going to give you anything from it. I'm smarter. Um, But I also just think that that's Daniel's take on it and not necessarily true. (laughs) Like, I, I just think they have more in common than he ever would want to admit that like yeah. he doesn't have any one upmanship over Eli. They they share too much. And so like I just see the end as him killing himself. Hmm. Interesting. I get, I see that's, what you mean. That's yeah. like the beautiful thing about the that central relationship in the film because I think they're I think if for the most part they're both they're both genuine in their oppositional beliefs like i mean i think obviously eli would love to save daniel mm-hmm. um, and then i i think obviously daniel you know thinks all of what eli stands for is horseshit but i think at the same time their their relationship it's all it's all ego i mean it's it's all at least it becomes, um, mm-hmm. you know, just just winning over this other person. It doesn't really have to do anything with religion or God. Yeah, it's no. all about just beating this other person um, and and making you know making and, and building yourself up off of them. And like, uh, I yeah. think part of the thing that ties them together for me is that, like, in Daniel's mind, he he's the one with the upper hand because he has all the things that he wants. But like, the movie shows us that he's insane for believing that this is what he really wants. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, he's a drunk old man alone in a mansion shooting at garbage in his underpants. Like that is not the Daniel we meet earlier on. He has no purpose. He right. is, does not seem to be like working in the same way. It looks like he's a lot farther removed from a lot of the business aspects now. And that clearly is not something that would make this driven, like go getter personality happy. But mm-hmm. he says it's what he wants, so he's just committing whole hog to it as if, like, that's what he's supposed to do, and it means he's one. But it's like, you're pathetic, man. Like, you're alone, and you look like, you look like an asshole. Your life is miserable. You're just <laughs> drinking yourself to death. Like, you are finished when he says, I'm finished. I That's how I like to read it. I yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah same thing. Over. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the funny thing about all that taking place in 1927 is, like, assuming he even survives another two right. years, like, he's about mm-hmm. to lose everything, which is <laughs> kind of, like, just this, like, wonderful irony that's hanging out there that never gets explored. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, he's about to really be finished, assuming he even makes it that far, and that's sort mm-hmm. of, like, kind of delightful. Um but yeah, it, it is, like, the parallels between those two characters is interesting. I always sort of thought that, like, uh, Daniel, does, he, he's aware of, like, the similarities between them. And I think that, like, by setting them up as similar, like, that's where uh, Anderson kind of gets most of his thematic juice in terms of, like, wanting to dissect capitalism and religion uh, in similar ways. Um that you can have these sort of, like, charlatans, like, get ahead. Um, But you also have, like, I think that where Daniel's resentment comes is that, like, he thinks that Eli thinks 
that Eli is better than Daniel, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And he wants to say, like, no, like, you're just as... I know I'm a shithead, but you're a shithead, too. And, mm-hmm. like, you need to recognize that, that you're full of shit, and we're, you know, we're one two peas in a pod in that way. But you think you're better than me, and I want to tear you down for that reason and tear down everything that you believe in. Um, it's just spiteful. Um but nobody ever said that Dana played music a good guy, so it's just sort of like the territory we're treading here. Um, do you have any other scenes that like you um, you guys want to talk about? Um, there is a line. It's one of the first lines of dialogue in the movie um, that I like a lot because I think it tells you a lot pretty instantaneously. It's uh, in those opening moments where. It, we somewhat incorrectly say there are no, there's no dialogue at all, but he does, in fact, whisper some things to himself. Right. Um, and one of them that I really liked is, there she is, there she is. And it's him, like, after, I think it might be after he's already broken his leg, like, searching for his, his rock, like, his find, his whatever yeah. it is, it's gold or something, I think. Silver, I think, yeah. Like, and he tucks it into the, his shirt pocket, like, patting it, like, lovingly, like, there she is. And it's just like I don't Precious. I don't know like just like that level of concern for something that's not even real that's just going to be that's just his end goal. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah. feels like it tells you a lot. Um here's a question I have for you guys. At what point do you at what point in the film do you turn on Daniel and do that you realize that like he's not a good guy because it's interesting mm. the way the film starts where you have this, like we said, sort of silent thing showing you how hard life is at this time in this era, you know, in this place, in this field. And then he breaks his leg and he has this, like, larger-than-life, like, sort of hero moment of crawling my way back to civilization to basically save myself and get what's mine. And then we jump ahead to Daniel the Oilman. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering just sort of like at what point things kind of turn, because that feels like setting you up, you know, in terms of like feeling sympathy for this person who like, you know, made it through this remarkable situation. I think it's maybe when he, uh, visits the Sundays Yeah, yeah, and they have that dinner scene. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything specific there. Um, but I mean, you you definitely realize that he is going to take advantage of these people. Right. Uh, I think the um, the the father, the patriarch of the Sunday family, is uh, a very interesting character. I, he's not in it much, but um, I think just like I'm, you just kind of get right away that he just really knows nothing. I mean, he's yeah. he's 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 very much uh, someone who is willful in in being taken advantage of um and then of course we meet eli in that scene as well uh and uh, they have their first sort of little confrontation uh eli kind of under recognizing at least that you know this that that um plain view is knows more about what he wants then he's then he's really letting on so i mean some of that um knowing that he's he's going to be taking advantage of these people i think is part of that but also 
toward the end of that scene, he gets he gets really it's it's one of the I don't know if it's the very first time, but we kind of see that other part of of Plainview's personality where he gets aggressive, um, and he gets a little cruder. And when, once he gets a little bit of pushback from from Eli, he you can kind of see him flip a little bit of a switch where he kind of turns off that that natural charisma of you know that you see um, when he's you know talking with a large group of people, um, and he, he you kind of you see a little bit of the devil come out. That's probably where it starts to happen. I think obviously when he abandon when he you know abandons his boy uh, as they say i think is 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 the part where it's and i think maybe you understand a little bit why he does it um but i think that's where it's it's there's there's no more ambiguity uh in the character like you you know he's he is not a good person at that point yeah yeah um yeah, I, I definitely like you see the seeds of that being sown in the in the meeting with the Sundays. Um, there's this first like sort of confrontational scene he has with Eli, where Eli wants to uh, bless the um, the well, and right. uh, he says, "Yeah, of course." And then he does it and uses the words that Eli asked him to use, and just kind of well, gives him a look like "fuck and you." I, yeah, I think that's that's actually kind of funny because I mean it may be just kind of your personal approach to some of these things, but you know, I mean that's a moment where I'm like that that you know I that's that's a moment where I'm like on Plainview's side. I'm like you know yeah. totally right, but you see like the seeds nope, of somebody I, who's like exactly, dishonest yeah. and right. um, just not like you know really really spiteful. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And then I think like the the moment where it just totally goes over the edge is the shot, and it's like a single shot. But like once they hit oil, and like the fire's raging, and it's night, and and Mance Raider's there, and he's like, "How's HW doing?" and and Daniel like had been previously like celebrating and going crazy that they got the oil, and he's like, "He's not good at all." And yeah. the camera like zooms in on him, and he's like covered in oil, and the it, he's like his face is beat red. It's just like, oh, there's the devil. Mm. <laughs> it's just like it, it totally yeah. hits you over the head, but it's, a, it's still a cool shot. Um, yeah, I uh, I have a hard time even thinking about that because I don't I don't know how I felt about him when the first time I saw it, and I've seen it so many, yeah, you know, multiple times now yeah. that trying to remove that lens yeah. is difficult because in that see first, from the, from the first scene now, in yeah. that first speech where he is, you know, t- trying to tell these, the rowdy townspeople, the ones who aren't being quiet and listening and the ones he eventually decides not to work with. Um, he's giving that same exact speech that he always gives and the camera stays in this very, very, very tight close up of him as he talks. Um, and then when it comes out, he's like, y'all, my wonderful son, HW worked on a family man. And, like, his son looks like a portrait. It looks like a painting. I know. He's not, I he's not saying anything. Yeah. He's not doing anything. Yeah. And that's just so obvious that that's how he's being used. Like, he's this weird sort of stage mother figure where it's like you want the child there because of how it looks and what it can do for you. But you're mm-hmm. not actually considering, like, what's good for him. Like, maybe put him in school. Like, maybe don't <laughs> drag him around with you like this. Like, 
and teach him your business, you know, you know, like maybe he should have friends, like other children to play with because he's like, oh, I tell people they can bring their families here. But when it cuts to the tents, there are no families there. It's only yeah. men. It's single men alone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, so I don't know. I just, I, I, I think he is somebody that actually doesn't understand that he is total horse shit. I think he thinks all people are shit, but I don't think there's anything special that he sees about his own shit. (laughs) I don't think he sees himself as worse than anyone else. I think he sees himself as the same as everyone else. And he's like, no, you're just like me. Like you're all just like me. Um, And this is just how it is. And I, what's annoying about people is when they pretend that they're not. And Mm. that's what I hate about this church community. Like you're all pretending. Yeah. Like he can't conceive of a world where genuine human relationship is more important than anything else. Right, um, right, right. He thinks he does because he does love his son, but he doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get it. My, um, the town where I grew up, uh, there's a lot of, like, natural gas underneath it. And, mm-hmm. um, like, over the last, like, couple years, like, they would have these companies come in and literally give, like, I think the same exact speeches that Daniel Plainview gave to these townspeople. Oh, yeah. Of just like, oh, we're going to get natural gas, and then we're going to use the profits, and we're going to build new schools, and we're going to build new this, and it's going to be a booming town again. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Did you not watch this movie? <laughs> right, well... I mean, like in North South Dakota, where they had they've had yeah, a right, fracking, right. The fracking towns. Um, what is that that documentary that uh, came the out? Overnighters. The over yes, uh, you've seen that, John. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, uh, really, really good. I mean, and it's it's good for for more reasons a than just reasons. Yeah. the town. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I I mean, I I know a little bit of. Uh, about that sort of uh, how those sort of fracking towns work and how they just disappear when they're done. And it, it just, you know, it leaves, it's, it, it's like coming in and raiding something and then, and then leaving and right. The, those, those promises that were had, um, yeah. it's really, uh, really infuriating, but uh, definitely, I mean, it's right out of this world. Um, it, it hasn't really changed at all, but nope. I guess when you have, sort of desperate people, poor people, uh, once you're, you know, you can give them a little bit of hope. (laughs) We, we know that very well. Um, (laughs) you know, it's bringing things full circle. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, anyway, we're we're running a little bit long, so, um, I just, I think that maybe we love this movie. So I think it's fine. Can we talk about Paul Dano for a minute? Um, oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Get out sort of your ghost. Go I, talk about we, it. We've talked about Eli Sunday, of course, but we haven't really talked about Paul Dano. Um, so I think this is well. I, I think Little Miss Sun, Sunshine, uh, which came out a year before, was probably when most people uh, first saw Paul Dano. But this was yeah. like a. This is obviously a drastic change from that character. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that main character, right? I and I, I just sort of remember anecdotally, like people not liking his character uh or not even that but just not liking the actor right the performance um because i think he's he's set in such contrast uh to daniel Mm -hmm. plainview and to the way that daniel day lewis acts and it, it feels like a lot of people don't 
uh, at, at the time, and then maybe even in hindsight, like, didn't understand that this was an actor doing some, you know, doing something specific, and just like saw this sort of like, frappy, I don't know if that's a word, uh, like, well, he's just young- like, floppy-haired dude from that like hipster movie that you got sick of at this point and you were like probably already convinced wasn't nearly as good as you remembered <laughs> like right, you're just yeah. like what is he doing in this like art movie with this actual actor and like what he's doing is like you're saying is like being the perfect contrast to that like that look that sort of priestly way of speaking they're like Hello, Daniel. Like, oh, I just talk <laughs> just like, very low and soft. And you're just like, sh- I hate him. And you're shrieks. supposed to. Yeah. Like, he really yeah. is a sniveling ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's really, such a perfect really way to describe him. <laughs> well, and I, and I think since, like, since he's, Paul Dano, I think, has shown to, well, one, be a type. Like, many of his roles aren't dramatically different from one another, uh, even if the context of the film changes a lot. Um, but also to be like a well-respected, like I think people uh, enjoy seeing Paul Dano in movies, um, which is a little different than when this was released. So I think it's an interesting sort of touchstone in his career. Uh, and I do think it's a good performance. I mean, it doesn't, it, it's hard to stand up next to just the towering monstrosity that, yeah that Daniel Day-Lewis is in this film, um, especially. It's also not really, I don't know if it's a fair criticism, but I'm going to say it anyway. But like, it is some, it is a role and his performance in it is something I could imagine someone else doing equally as well. Like I could imagine you getting another actor in there and it's still working really well. Whereas I have a much harder time imagining somebody other than Daniel Day-Lewis being Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Um, so again, like I said, I know not a totally fair criticism, but it's sort of like, I, I don't know if I would call that the best role Paul Dano's ever done. I'd probably call that Swiss Army Man because I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, have either of you seen L.I.E.? No. Which I think was Paul Dano's first movie. He's very young in it. He's like 14, 15 years old. Uh, it's very, it's really good. It's, um, who directed it? I think, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure actually who directed it. But he plays like a, a young kid who sort of gets roped up in like a um like a male process or uh brian cox plays like an older man who like they had they start to have a very strange relationship um it's very good and he's like strikingly young in it uh so like seeing it i i just watched it a few years ago so like after i had seen paul dano and a lot of things and just seeing him in that it's it's like noticeably strange how young he is in it even though he like seems like someone who is always young (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i i'm trying to look this up as i'm speaking but i think uh i've heard that his casting was sort of an interesting there's sort of interesting trivia behind it um so Paul Dano was actually just originally supposed to play Paul Sunday Mm -hmm. uh the the first um, brother that we meet. It wasn't initially supposed to be the same person who was playing that. But then I guess after a few weeks of shooting, Paul Thomas Anderson replaced the actor who uh, was cast as Eli and uh, had Paul Dano play both roles, uh, which is 
I mean, that's a that's a bold that's a bold yeah. choice, right? And I it, it works so strangely in the movie because like we see Paul in the in an early scene, just the one scene, then he doesn't come back throughout the rest of the film, right? And then obviously it it makes that first meeting with Eli Sunday it adds sort of an extra layer to it because uh, Daniel Plainview like doesn't understand at first. Like you can tell he's, he's definitely like confused and cause he feels like he's met this person before, but then uh, is quickly able to adjust. Um, but then even just the, the performance uh, that Paul Dano has between the two brothers, I mean, they do feel like different people uh, even, even though we don't see Paul Sunday uh, much. Uh, we can, we can definitely, we can definitely see them as, as different. So yeah, I feel like that's, it's just a little bit of trivia, I think behind the film, but I think is uh, kind of interesting. Do you know and who I guess is... the, yeah. Yeah. I, well, according to the Google, uh, it says the Google. Named, <laughs> yeah, it says someone's named Kel O'Neill. So sorry, Kel O'Neill, you are fired off of possibly <laughs> the best uh, movie of the, the century. Of the century. And we've never heard of you. Wow. How weird. Yeah. I'm I'm opening up his IMDb to see if I can find anything on him. I definitely thought uh, the first he was in Redacted and Domino. Okay, wow. the Pulse. You know, those, yep, those movies. Those are big ones. Yeah, well, that was all, be- and that was mostly before. I don't think he's done like anything since he's, he's been quit in acting. <laughs> Funny enough, he was an uncredited role in Across the Universe, so we can bring it back there. <laughs> Um, but when you look at his picture, he actually looks very similar to Paul Dano. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess they were cast to play brothers, but yeah, right, right. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> They're, definitely the first time I saw this, I thought that like they were the same person. Right. That, like, yeah, I, it was just like it, sort of a schizophrenic it, character. It certainly. It doesn't, it doesn't speak on it quite enough that it definitely leaves it open that it could be. Right. Uh, which is a, a nice little, uh, leaves a little extra tension in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, what else? Should we finish with the uh, the direct comparison? Oh yeah, I guess we just we the question of the we tiptoed we tiptoed around it. Um, and I think that I know where Sarah and I are going to fall. So why don't Mm. we have you go ahead and uh, (laughs) break our tie, Aaron, and then we can all talk about it a little bit more. Okay, you want me to break the tie? You go ahead. You go first. Yeah. Uh, Just make okay. sure you say the right one. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, and you really put me on the spot here, and and, and I, I was already going to come to it at this point, but uh, I I'm not going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> I know it is a total cop out, but it uh, is. You have I to choose. You have to break the tie. Who do you love more, me or John? You have two basically perfect movies between There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men uh, that are, I guess they're similar enough in some of the tones that you can, uh, it can lead you to a sort of direct comparison. But uh, I mean, I guess I, I, I have, I have seen No Country for Old Men more. It's the film that I'm more familiar with, but that's playing against the recency bias of just seeing there will be blood. Yeah. So it's like, uh, there, there's no decision that I can make right now and tell you uh, this second that could be true the next second. So 
uh, I'm going to, uh, I know it doesn't work this way, but I'm going to plead the fifth. And I'm going to say that both of these movies are perfect. So why can't we just be happy with having two perfect movies? Well, that's admirable. That's not as fun. (laughs) Just admit it. You were going to say Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) Can we like just mention though, before we get uh, any further into this, like 2007 was a fucking great year for movies. It was just a banner year for movies. It really, really was. I I can't even say enough about it. You had I just rewatched Zodiac. Yes, so did I. (laughs) So good, and and that's a movie that definitely didn't get the praise at the time that it should have, and has since come around to. um, I I might like that movie more than both of them. Wow, I I definitely would not say that, but it's really good. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm a David David Fincher is my guy. Yeah, I understand the criticisms of Fincher. But you, you had you had John, you had prefaced our conversation with that um, New York Times sort of best of the century piece and picking uh, there would be blood would be number one for you. If if I had to be put on the spot right now and say what would be my number one for that list, it would be the social network. So uh, that's where that's where my my Finch, Fincher lies deep in me. So we should uh, talk about that sometime. Yeah, um, we should. I love that movie. But yeah, you had obviously well the three films that we just we've been talking about, including Zodiac. Uh, I'm looking at just a list: Ratatouille, mm-hmm. really good Pixar movie. Um, mm-hmm. I like uh, you. I think I heard you mention Sarah Assassination of Jesse James, mm-hmm. which yep. just had its 10th anniversary. I think last week, and that movie is fantastic. I really like Michael Clayton a lot. I think that um, that was a big Oscar player that year. I think it's got a really awesome script it's a lot of fun i finally i finally saw atonement and i'm a big ian McEwan fan and that's one of my favorite books of all time and i was very happy with that adaptation that movie is really really good just i've never seen atonement but yeah it's really actually quite good yeah yeah um i am a fan of super bad and probably the best of those uh uh those um what's his name judd apatow comedies Mm -hmm. Uh, are you a fan of the mist I actually am. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, I like The Mist. I love it's The Mist. Uh, uh, Juno. I I'm hate just Juno. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best Bourne movie, I think, is The Ultimatum, which came out that year. Um, mm-hmm. You've got uh, lots of stuff. Sunshine's really good, the Danny Boyle movie. Hot Fuzz, I believe. Hot out. Fuzz came out that year. Um, the, uh, I think, super underrated uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Did you ever see that? The Sidney Lumet film? haven't but no, uh i just remembered once was that year once oh, was that, that year yeah yeah so great lots of really good stuff the best cinematography category at the oscars <laughs> it was that year. stacked that's like <laughs> probably the best like single category in oscars history for that was like, i remember that and just being like i like, i don't i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, there will be blood, which is amazing, and I think one Roger yes. Elswit, uh, No Country for Old Men, Roger Deakins. We've talked. About, I'm sure we uh, talked about that, but incredible. Mm-hmm. Assassination of Jesse James, also Roger Deakins, also okay. incredible. Atonement, which like has really complicated so tracking shots and is spectacular looking, and then The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. You guys seen that? Yeah, I did. Yes, really good movie and amazing cinematography. 
I was going to say that's probably one of the best things about it. I didn't really like it as a movie overall. Okay, but the cinematography, you can't argue oh, with, yeah. is really, really, really good. Um, so, really, just a terrific year. If you look at, yeah. like, what made money that year, it's just absolute horseshit, but um, <laughs> the uh, the rest of the year was fantastic. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll jump off and say we can, we can start wrapping up. Uh, of course, we did do a week on... Uh, no Country for Old Men. So we have a lot of content on the site for um, that film. Uh, and sort of during our week, uh, that week, we talked about 2007 a lot. So we had we had an Oscars piece uh, that was centered on uh, No Country for Old Men, but there was a lot of overlap between the nominations of yeah. No Country and There Will Be Blood. I think there were only, I looked it up this morning, I think there were only two nominations that in categories that there will be blood had that no country did not get a nomination for. Mm. Um, so you can definitely, I think I'll put that back up. I think I'll bump that uh, post. It was written by Alex Moore. Uh, and then uh, I believe, and I'm, I'm pulling it up on our site now. I did a, when I used to do the streaming um uh, streaming post every week. I believe the streaming post that we guess was on 2007 films. So I highlighted a few more there that at the time and probably still are uh, available on on streaming services. And I'm pulling it up now. And I kind of cheated a little on some of these. Um, I think two of them didn't have their theatrical releases in 2007. But like, uh, for example, another film we covered, The Host, uh, was released. Well, that one did have its theatrical release in the U.S. in 2007, but had debuted in 2006. Right. But that's a great monster movie. Uh, I talked about the fuzz. I, I also talked about the mist. Uh, another film that did quite well at the Oscars and is actually one I haven't seen, but I know the reputation for it is good. Uh, perhaps uh, because of uh, uh, well, I'll just say the Sweeney Todd. Uh, the demon barber of Fleet Street, which I think people like probably because it is Johnny Depp uh, is like, maybe people can see that, okay, he's actually not bad in this as opposed to everything else that he's been in lately. And the same with Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like since he's really gone off the deep end, Sweeney Todd is one of the few films that people kind of point to and say, like, if only he could like, like this is this isn't it has a lot of what we don't like about Tim Burton recent recently, but this one's actually not bad. Um, anyway, I haven't seen it, but uh, that's another 2007 it, film that people like. It is fine. It's fine. Yeah, it, yeah. It sure. exists. It's fine. It's a movie. It's hideous, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it came out. <laughs> people saw it. Yeah. <laughs> um, any final? There will be blood. Thoughts, Sarah. Hmm. Final thoughts on There Will Be Blood. It is a good movie, and I was very happy to ruin your excitement that I would be a rousing voice of dissent and sit <laughs> all over it. Uh, no, I just like No Country for Old Men better. That's I totally think, fine. Uh, I'm not going to hate it anyway for that. Yeah. I think the difference between the two, and it, I think there's art, there's lots of room for argument, but the way I see them uh, is that No Country feels a lot in a weird way, it feels a lot bigger. Like it feels much more about um, like the nature of evil and violence and mm-hmm. progression of time. And even though all of those things sort of 
get wrapped up in what happens and there will be blood that feels much more like intimate like about a one person's like how they can sort of self-destruct their life without understanding that they're doing it mm-hmm. and like the way that they're like the way that they approach the world can like have these like rippling effects on all the people around them yeah yeah i think no country for old men is probably more accessible i think really especially to yeah i think i disagree at the middle i think you have that sort of very streamlined genre chase film yeah you do right and anton shagor is obviously like also a a crazy insane huge character just like daniel plainview but he's more and he's more easily he's like more he's more of a blank slate in terms mm-hmm. of being enigmatic yeah that i think he he's a little bit more uh approachable for a viewer in some ways yeah, but, i think yeah. it's because you can look at him and just accept him as he is and just yeah. assume he was like birthed from the earth like as this fully grown force did you see like, mother i could <laughs> Um, no, I don't even want. No spoilers. spoilers. No, no, no. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky dating a child, and it's gross. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also talk about two movies where people just hated the ending. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say though. I was like, it's accessible until you get to the end. Until you get to the like, end. That was a horse shit ending, and I was like, You're exactly. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the I... caveat to to me saying it's it's more of an approachable film. Yeah, I feel like for me. North, uh, no country for old men. North country for old men uh, is a lot more existential than there will be blood, and I feel like um, for that reason, like I guess maybe elements of. I feel like it's it's it is equally as artistically directed a film, but I think it's easier to kind of overlook the like you can you can watch it in 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 it's easier to imagine it as less of like an artsy fartsy movie. Yeah. I understand what you mean. If you watch no country from old men, you could like ignore or just kind of forget about or not pay attention to some of the most interesting things that we all love about it and still get something out of it. I feel like it's harder to overlook some of that stuff when you're watching there will be blood. So maybe you're right. Well, I actually think that the people, cause like all I can imagine is like the hundreds of bros that I've seen in my life being like, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh... like, you didn't understand the movie. Did you? <laughs> like, oh, no, it's cool. You're well, like, and let's cool be... to kill that guy. And I'm like, did, okay, great. Did they, did they like that? the the movie or did they just like see the snl skit and like uh no i like i definitely feel like i know people that are happy to like jump on the like oh yeah that's an amazing movie that's such a good movie but then it seems like they don't have any understanding of what is actually amazing about it (laughs) and they're just like yeah that guy's a dick and i liked it I'm like okay nice this this conversation we're having at the end uh it's almost as if these are two very amazing complicated complex movies yeah <laughs> no. right who knew the contest <laughs> choose you must choose it only no. took us a little while to get there but <laughs> oh um so as we're wrapping things up uh the last thing i wanted to uh talk about was um john have you seen beauty and the beast no i have not actually and that concludes our segment on <laughs> john Well, and it's funny because Sarah and I are going to see it again before. Oh my god! We are going to see it again. When are you going to see it? We might talk about that a little bit later on a special episode of the podcast. When are you going to see it? 
it's playing at a we're we're going to we're going to both be at a 24-hour horror marathon that is playing at yeah okay all right enjoy think about me (laughs) (laughs) um so okay i guess we're uh we're wrapping up since we got to the beauty and the beast segment um thank you to the hemmingbirds for the use of the song half a second off their album half a second uh we really appreciate that you heard that quite some time ago but uh still on this episode uh you can uh follow the site on twitter at the sin essential like us on facebook and um if you can go to itunes and look us up and subscribe to the podcast download some episodes and um leave us a review five stars will help other people discover and enjoy the show uh aaron do you want to tell us what else we've got cooking over the next few weeks oh boy of course i do uh so following this uh week on there would be blood we will be talking about something very different and that is uh check new wave uh feminist icon film daisies which i am very excited to see for the first time i am it's a film i've heard a lot of really great crazy things about and and don't at all know what to expect so that should be a very fun week uh and then i believe the following week after that we will be talking about blade runner uh right going to assume we're going to want to podcast about blade runner uh and then and i can resume my role as contrarian (laughs) well i don't know how much of a i mean obviously it's it's held up as one of the great science fiction films of its era yada 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 but uh, that that film has plenty of dissenters. So I've never uh, seen it. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be an exciting uh, <laughs> could be an exciting discussion then. Uh, yeah, because that that week is when the the sequel, I guess, Blade yeah. Runner twenty forty nine is coming out. Yeah. So that's uh, what the new Roger talking about movie Blade is Runner at the same time. Everybody <laughs> else is talking about Blade Runner. So, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, very yeah. cool. Thank you uh, for. Uh, all your insight this week, Aaron and Sarah, um, There Will Be Blood, was a lot of fun. Did not disappoint, at least for me. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys again soon. Bye.